Amen, church family. How are you doing? Those in the house, are you good? Awesome. Those online, you good? Did you hear them? They said yes. It's okay. Hey, a couple different things. Hey, if you're, once you're seated and you're comfortable, you can take your mask off if you're comfortable. If you're not comfortable, you can leave it on as well. Uh, that's why we have you set apart in six-foot segments. So that should help you feel a little more comfortable and maybe even be able to breathe a little easier. So good stuff, right? If you're at home, you shouldn't be wearing a mask. That's just goofy and weird. We've talked about that. And we're going to have some fun with a series. Now, I posted earlier on Facebook, and maybe you saw it, a question. The question I posted for you was, do you ever feel like you can't find rest? You know, can you ever feel that way? And then the heart of the question I asked was, you know, what's the greatest enemy of rest? You know, in the culture we live in, we go from moment to moment, right? Rush from this point to this point. You've got two or three things you're managing all at once, and it seems like you can never catch all the way up. You ever felt that way? Like, we'll get that done next week, or we'll actually feel better when this happens. And if that's the way you feel, that means that there's not rest that's there, and it's something that we can address. So before we jump in there, a couple things. If you haven't downloaded the app, remember you can get the app pretty easily. Just text uh, Grace Seaford app to 77977. And then that you'll have the notes. So we're hoping to actually start publishing notes here in person for you all in a couple of weeks um, as you work through that. But you can follow along with the notes on the app. And inside the app, there's a lot of other cool things there. So few things as we get back into this before we answer this question. We've been doing this series, and this is coming to the end of this book in 1 Thessalonians. That's why we came to this. When we look at what Paul had to say, Paul's got some pretty amazing things to say about rest. But before we get there, look at the things that he's brought us through in this great book that he wrote to this church in Thessalonica. The first week we talked about, you know, just spiritual parenting and the fact that we all need a spiritual parent in the faith. And for some of us, we need to kind of step up and start parenting others in the faith. Week two, we talked about who's at your table, and we talked about who's at your table will shape your conversations. They will shape your perspective, and they'll shape your outlook on the world. The third week, we talked about better communication with God and how to improve that, and one of the ways that we looked at that was through the habits and how when you practice the spiritual habits, you're improving how God is at work in your life and how you communicate with Him. Week four, we took you for a doc checkup, okay? And we asked, how are you doing in those habits? Hang time with God, accountability with other people, Bible study, inspired service, treasuring the kingdom, studying scripture, actually sharing your faith. And we looked at those, we said, where is our church? And we took a kind of a pulse. The fifth week, we talked about holiness. And in that week, we learned from the apostle Paul that, you know, the world around us thinks holiness is dull, right? Holiness is for those sticks in the mud, but really holiness has to be It had to do with being whole, being complete. And people that actually are holy have the greatest fulfilled life. And then in week seven, we talked about hope rising and redefining your idea of hope. Then Danny brought us into um, in the moment. And so that was a great message that Danny brought of how to actually find the moment and engage with someone else's issue when they're in the moment. And then Jake brought us through looking at our leadership that's above us and how they've been given to you to help you to grow. And Jake said, hey, sometimes you just need to do it, the things that you've been asked to do. And then last week we talked about here comes the sun. And we talked about here comes the sun. We talked about the gloom that has seemed to settle over our culture, the gloom that has settled over the current situation with COVID. And what we talked about was is as we engage with the son of God, Jesus, he comes crashing through in so many different ways 
the Son. So let's just look at this idea of the greatest enemy of rest. And we've been having some, some tech issues, right, tech team? You guys have been awesome. Thanks for Justin. And I haven't even had a chance to look at it. So if you want to jump to Facebook with me, I don't know if you have your phone, I just want to jump there real quick. And I want to just see what some of the people said were some of the greatest things tackling their rest. So anxiety and stress was one of the things that was listed that kind of robs our rest. Listen to this one. Social media. Hmm. Work, worry. Huh. This, this person said, we're our greatest enemies with respect to how we create all of this busyness around us. Fear, this person listed, is one of the reasons that we just can't find rest. Selfishness. This person says Satan's after him, okay? <laughs> Satan! They just, I didn't do it in all caps, so that's good. There's more Satan, okay? And then comparison. This person said they can't find rest because of the comparison game. And another person said lack of margin. Lack of having those spaces in your life where you can just take a pause and see what's going on. I think all of those are exactly right. And we come into this passage, what you're going to find is that as Paul finishes his letter to the Thessalonians, he has a wonderful thing that he talks about on how to spend your time and how to do it more wisely and how to find peace and rest. So if you've got a Bible, open it up to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verses 23 through 28. Listen to the word of the Lord. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers or brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So this is how Paul finishes his letter to this church. And I'm telling you, in the heart of this is rest. It's peace. One of the things I want to propose as we start our message is that peace and rest is not the cessation of activity. That's what we think it is many times as Americans. But there's an inner component to it where you find a peace and a security and a quietness and a stillness that only God can bring. And I think this is what Paul's going to talk about. So how do you do it? How do you find rest? Well, I know Jake said just do it, but I want to tell you this week, let him do it, okay? So and I'll, I'll explain the difference between those two philosophies because Jake's not wrong, but there's a point where you have to let God do it. So how do you know the difference between just do it and let him do it? There are certain things that he has left for you to only be able to do. God purposed it that way. But there's some things that God himself has purposed for only him to do. So give me, let me give you an example. This morning we were having some AV issues, were we not? gone. If you own a PC, throw it away because that one back there is dead. It's a boat anchor, okay? And we adjusted. Now, as much as it, if we, let's just say we hit our knees this morning and we prayed diligently and we said, God, fix the computer. What do you think God's going to do? He's going to say, you fix it. You created it, right? You made the mess. You fix it. So there's some things only you're going to do. When he said, go into all the world and to tell them about what my son has done. God's not going to go and do that. He's wanting you to do that. So what Jake said is right. Sometimes when you hear the word of God, there is a part that comes back to you that God says, just do it. But when it comes to finding peace, 
When it comes to being grounded in your growth, this word of sanctification, which we're going to look at, growing in your faith with Christ, you must let God do it. And that's the major difference. Look at this with me. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. So this idea of sanctified, let me give you a definition. If you don't know this word, it's, a, it's an older word. We don't really walk around using this word, right? You don't hear this one in school? No? Sanctified. You don't hear that word? Okay. So sanctified is the idea that you are being set apart for your original purpose. That's the best definition I've ever heard of sanctification. The best illustration I've ever seen as a pastor is think of what you're sitting in right now. Someone designed that chair. If you're at home, someone designed that couch, right? Someone designed that. They built it a certain way. They purposed it not to just sit there empty, but to have someone actually sit in it. When you sit in it, you sanctified the chair. You were utilizing it for its original purpose for which it was set apart and set aside for. Now, you may not know this, depending on where you are spiritually, but when God thought of you, when you were in your mother's womb, the scripture says you were being fearfully knit together. He had a purpose and a plan set aside for each and every one of you. Every one of you, including me. And the idea of finding peace and letting him do that is when you begin to see what God has done and you begin to rest in what God has called you and only you to do. Now, let me give this again. It's just a deep concept. I want to kind of spend some time on it because I, I think it's profound and it's going to have a lot of impact on you. So if you're a Christian, don't raise your hand, but how many of you would say, I'm a Christian, okay? Some of you would say, I'm still working on it, right? Some of you would say, I'm not sure about it. But for those of you that are Christian, let me give you this as an illustration that's out of this text. What did you do to get saved? What'd you do? You didn't do anything, did you? Here's what happened. Someone came along at a specific point in your life and began to explain to you something in the Christian world that we call the gospel, the good news. And this good news is that Jesus himself, at the perfect point in time, love that, Pat, that song we sang, right? Came to earth, lived the life that you and I couldn't live. We couldn't do it. And then after he lived the perfect life that you and I could live, he went to the cross, right? And he gave his life as a sacrifice for you and I in an exchange that he might take on our sin that we might have his righteousness, right? And someone explained that to you in different ways. There's various ways to explain that. You know, like, no, I, I like the ABCs because it's simple and I need simple. But here's the reality. When you believed that, when you put your hope and your trust and your faith in that, you became a Christian. Now, what'd you do? You didn't do anything. You believed. You believed in something that God already did that God already had as a reality. Look at this passage again with me for a second. God, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. He saved you and he's the one who sanctifies you. He sets you apart. And the same way that you came to belief is the same way that you grow in the sanctification process. In other words, God says, hey, this is the way I want you to treat your wife. Okay, I'll believe that. I may not understand it, but I trust you, Lord, and I'll begin to operate. And this is where it comes back to what Jake said, and I'll just do it. But I expect you, by the power of your spirit living in me, to give me the desire to make this happen. So look at the next part of that. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So now he's starting to talk about the wholeness of your being. You know, 
I don't know if you know this, but there's pieces to us, right? You've got a spiritual side and you've got a physical side. Some of us have a larger physical side. Gwyneth was saying, Brian, you've lost a lot of your physical side. I'm hoping his spiritual side has grown because I found his, his physical side. I'm hoping he's spiritually growing, or not shrinking, but growing. But here's the reality. There's two sides to you. And when you begin to break this down, you begin to understand something that's very profound. So for instance, your whole spirit. Let's look at that for one second. Your spirit is what God gave you in the moment of creation for you. If you want reference for that, go back to Adam. When Adam was formed from the clay of the earth, right? It said that God breathed into him and he became a living soul. You see, when he breathed into him and he breathes into you and I, this is the moment that we get our personality, our makeup, how we're wired. You know, when Paul got saved, he was still an overbearing jerk at times. I love it. Gives me hope, just like Peter, right? And God gave you a personality and he gave certain things in you that are yours. And that is your spirit. It's unbending, it's unchangeable. God gifted to you. And then there's your soul. Then there's your soul. Your soul is changeable. Did you know from the original word here is the word we get psychology. You know that? I know when we think of psychology, we think of head shrinks, right? Shrinking our head, okay? Not the stuff that just happens in the Amazon, but you know, they're head shrinks, right? But do you know what the real idea of psychology is? The actual word ology means study of, you know that, right? Biology, study of stuff, right? Physical stuff. Psychology is the study of the soul. That's actually the original meaning of that word, the study of the soul. And that's what's at work here with this word, soul. It's where your emotions are. It's where your memories are. It's where your thinking is. And so when he says he wants to sanctify you through and through, he's saying he wants to sanctify your personality, your very makeup, the very wiring of you, spirit, and even how you feel and think and respond to the entire world around you. He wants you to set aside all of that for an original purpose. You know, one of the things I shared with you all a few weeks ago was just, you know, the whole COVID cover causes some of us to go through a little bit of a low, right? A little bit of a depression, right? And you know what really pulled me through that was learning to refocus my thoughts and my emotions back on the things that God is doing, not the things I expect God to do. That's this idea of sanctification through and through, that you and I would surrender all of those things to him. That's our part, surrender. His part is bringing the spirit to do work. And then there's the body. Our very physical being is shaped to glorify God. And all of those are something that's a surrendered process. When you were worshiping today with, through music, right? Did you realize that your body, the posture of your body, that very moment is something that God purposed to be sanctified, to be set apart for his holiness, to be set apart for the original purpose that God intended it. So when you see people raise their hands or you see people in prayerful surrender. What they're doing in that moment is they're utilizing their own body to be set apart for God's original purpose. And that's also when you go out and you serve and you do things. So this is what God intended. And look at this next part. Be kept blameless of the coming of the Lord Jesus. The one who calls you is faithful. And who does it? Just in case we missed it the first time, he does the sanctifying work. Our part is to surrender what he's already said. We see what he's done and we're like, I surrender to that. That's our only part. His part is to show the path 
and to reveal what he's always planned. The second thing that'll help you to find this peace is to allow others to pray for you. To allow others to pray for you. Now this, in my mind, is one of the greatest struggles of most Christians I know. You know, we're okay praying for people. We're okay for praying for things. We're okay praying for our nation and our military and government leaders and even maybe even pray for your pastor. I hope so. But we're okay praying for other people. But I can't tell you how many times I've been in a growth group or a smaller group or a ministry team or a missions team and we say, how can we pray for you, brother or sister? And what do you think the most common response is by people that we see inside the church? I'm good. I don't need any prayer. Life is great. It must be nice to be you. Okay, I don't know what kind of life you live, but that's not the life I get to live. I need prayer every day. And what I found that's behind this idea of refusing prayer is a lack of humility. We don't need prayer. I don't need you to pray for me. But the reality is I need you to pray for me. And I love Paul's very brief statement in verse 25. Brothers, brethren, he's talking about the whole church. Pray for us. Pray for us. One of the things that we started doing with our growth group I don't know how your growth group works, you know, the group that you gather with to study God's word and to talk about your life. But it's really easy, maybe you've been in a, a small group or Bible study like this, to just pull out a piece of paper, you ever done this, and say, how can we pray for everybody? And then what happens? Everybody starts to list their aches and their pains and their oes and their woes and all the stuff that's going wrong in life and you write it all down, you put it in a book and you pray for them, right? Or you do one of these prayers, Lord, you've heard everything that's been shared tonight. That sounds spiritual, don't it? Would you somehow do something cool in all of their lives? Have you been there? Let me tell you something. That might be a good starting place. And I don't want to slam you if that's where you are. But that's not where God wants you when you hear Paul say something like, brothers, pray for us. Here's what he's talking about. So we started doing this with our group, and it's profound. We still do that. How can we pray for you? And we always start with, you know, the wrestles. That's how we remember it. What are you wrestling with? And everybody's always got something to wrestle with or an uncle or a cousin or somebody, right? And then we say, now, how'd you see God at work this week? What's the winds around you? And our group has been getting better at being to see the ways that God's at work. And then we pray, but here's how we pray. I'm gonna open or my wife's gonna open and then somebody's gonna close. And if it was really that important for you to say it, it'll be important enough for you to pray it. And we let people pray. And I gotta tell you, it's uncomfortable at first because people are worried they're gonna get judged by the way they pray or what they say. You gotta build that kind of confidence with people. But once people get through that, some of the greatest prayers and moments in our group have been that moment. When I see someone's heart broken for their neighbor, their relative who's going through cancer, someone who just passed away, and they begin to pray in such a way that you know only the Spirit of God could have made happen in that moment. This is what Paul's talking about. He wants this kind of prayer in the church to be consistent. And he wants it to be based on your humility that you would be willing to open up your life to people and say, pray for me in this way. I was meditating on this one day and I began to think about the fact that many people find Christians arrogant. Have you met people like that? You know, because sometimes we can be a little bold, right? And I just thought, you know, I'm going to do an experiment. A lot of times if I just randomly ask someone on the street, how can I pray for you? I'm going to get the same response, right? 
So for a whole week, I did this experiment. Walked around. My first place I stopped was Starbucks, Gwyneth, Starbucks. I stopped there, (laughs) and I looked at the person across from me, and I just felt like the Holy Spirit was prompting me to do this. And I said, "Um, can I ask you to pray for me? You should have seen their face. They're like, holy cow, who, where's this guy coming from? And I wasn't, I just said, look, my daughter's having an IEP meeting, which is a meeting about her, her education plan, and we're not sure how it's going to go. Would you be willing to just sometime today say a prayer for my daughter and our family? And they were like, well, yeah, absolutely. I've never had someone, there's, there's probably some out there, but I've not had someone yet refuse that if I asked for prayer. And then I said, how can I pray for you? And they were so much more open and the next thing I know, we were into a conversation that was 20 minutes long about something that was going on in their life. This is at the heart of the church. Paul understood this, this idea of praying for us, praying for one another, and it takes humble submission. It's the reason why people have asked me, why do we do the connect cards? The connect cards are not a big deal to me. What's the big deal to me, and my wife will tell you at the end of a service, is I go to your connect cards every week. And I'll look for how you ask for prayer. That's the big deal for me. And I pray for every single one I see. And then sometimes based on what you put there, we reach out and say, are you okay? Do you need something? That's what the connect cards are. And if you're getting that in small group, growth group, it's okay. Like that's good. But that's what the connect card is really at the heart of us for people that may not have that. And you need that. You need to declare that. You need to show that. So that's why we publish those connect cards. And I love reading them, especially when people get real and humble and begin to submit real struggles. So just remember when you're getting together with a group, a group of believers, a group of people you're going to study the Bible with, just remember those three words we talked about all through this series, word, win, and wrestle, right? I'm telling you, there's something you're wrestling with. There's a way that God has work around you. See it. And there's something in his word that he has put aside just for you. It's just for you. Let me give you an example of that before we move forward. My daughter, who only reads at about a second grade level, okay, uses the version of the Bible app, and she uses the kids' version. If you don't have the kids' version of the version Bible app, it is cool. It is interactive. There's stars you get. You like, but, I mean, it's just amazing. But that's what she uses because it reads to her, and she gets Bible stories that way. You know who the most consistent person in doing their devotion is at our house? It's Brittany, yeah. She gets up every day. She makes her eggs and her pancakes like clockwork and then sits down with that Bible app and listens to God's word and interacts with it. And every time I ask her, what did God say to you? She's got something to share his word. And she's usually got something she can share that she's wrestling with. And she's got something that she sees God doing in her life that's a win. This is something we need to do in our interactions with each other because it just brings God into the conversation. So to find rest, let me recap. Let him do it. Let the power of God be infused in your life. Let him do this. Let him do the sanctification process. Allow other people to pray for you. That's very important. And then bring it in. So as we were playing the message, Danny's like, I I think this one should be called bring it in. And if you're around Danny, you probably know what he means by that. Some of you may need an explanation. But when when you're hanging out and you're close to certain people and they're like, hey, man, bring it in, right? It means bring it in tight, bring it in close. It's the idea that there's supposed to be intimacy. How many of us have avoided the corona hug, right? I don't know if you've seen it, right? It's like the corona hug is like a sideways hug with like a oop with the face, right? So you don't have any germs coming at you with your face mask on, right? But some of you are like, oh, you know what, whatever. I'm okay with it. 
you know? And it's hard to judge it. I'm looking at some of you, I'm like, should I hug you? Should I not hug you? I'm not sure where you are with it. But there's this idea of intimacy that Paul says is supposed to be a part of the church. And I know in this season, it's been hard to do that. But look what he says. Greet all brothers with a holy kiss. You think hugs are a problem? Let's start kissing people in church and see what happens with the corona problem. I bet people won't even come. It'll all be online, right? Nobody's like, no, no, right? Get away. But here's the reality when we look at this. What he's really talking about is intimacy. And Paul is saying that within Christ's gatherings, there was an intimacy. One of the guys that we get to hang out with every once in a while at the men's retreat, he comes down and visits with us. And we're going to go up and visit with him this week and get his story for the men's retreat next year. There's a guy named Father Sam. He's an Episcopal priest. Father Sam's coming toward the end of his uh, journey here on earth. He's uh, got pancreatic cancer. But we want to get his story before he goes home to be with the Lord. Well, Sam, oh my goodness, his family is originally from Syria, okay? And Sam's grown up here. And he just has this great perspective on life and his spiritual walk. And love this guy. But one thing I had to get used to with him as you would meet Sam, you say, what's up, Father Sam? How you doing, man? And he would grab you by both shoulders. I kid you not. And kiss you on both cheeks. I mean, wet, sloppy, like, mwah, mwah. And I'm like, mm, you know. But to him and his culture, it's the intimate embrace of how Christians are supposed to embrace. Now, I told him when he visited, I said, listen, we're Baptists, so you can't be running around kissing people like that. Like, we can do hugs, man, and then some people, it's a sideways hug. You got to read it a little different. But what I love about this is there's supposed to be intimacy among believers. You know, at the heart of intimacy is this idea of into me, see. And that's why he says, I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers, to the whole church, to the whole brethren. What he's saying is, is he doesn't want any single person regardless of age or gender or spiritual walk, to be excluded from the wonderful and glorious things that God is saying. He wanted everybody to hear how God is moving. So when you bring it in, here's some things that you can do to bring it in. One, make a commitment to see every week's message. We put them online. We put them where you can watch them afterward. Even if you're busy on Sunday, whether you're here or not, bring it in. Hear the intimate and wonderful and beautiful and miraculous things that God is doing every week in his church because he's doing amazing things. And when you miss one of those, you miss how God's moving and you miss the intimacy. Then he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And as a reminder of what we've been talking about today, I don't know if you've, you've probably heard this, but if you haven't heard this, the easiest way to understand grace is to use it as an acrostic. You know that one? Grace means God's riches at Christ's expense, right? So in other words, when you look at this, when Paul says, the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you, he's saying Christ has purchased for you peace. He's purchased for you rest. And it's not the stopping of just busyness. It's that you ground every moment, as the scripture said, mind, body, soul, spirit, everything grounded in him. So that no matter what's going on around you, you have this inner and tranquil peace. Some of you know, this past week, we lost one of the saints of this church. We didn't really lose them. We know where they are. But um, Jack Maddox went home to be with the Lord a few days ago. And I got to visit with his wife, 
um, yesterday. And it's amazing to me when you really get to see the peace of God and the life of a real Christian. That inside of them, in the midst of her grief and her sorrow and her missing her husband, is this peace, this elegance, this rest that we've been talking about. If this is missing your life, you need to really ask the question, where's my relationship with Jesus? So this week, let me ask you to do this. Would you get off the treadmill? Would you get off the treadmill and onto God's path that he's purposed for you? Would you begin to think about that? That God set you apart and ask the question, what did he set me apart for and how do I join him on that journey? So what does that look like for you? Maybe you can list that in your Facebook feed today, maybe on the online, maybe you can put on a connect card, maybe you can use your, the app. What's that look like for you? That God set apart you for an original purpose. Think about that for a while. Pray over that. Meditate on that because he has a plan and a purpose for you and only he can reveal it. What do you need to do to surrender to that? Maybe for you, you've got to surrender to the very good news, right? The gospel that Christ died for you. If you've never done that, you need to do that or you need to recommit your life by admitting your sin before God, believing only what Christ has done and committing your life to him because then he can really reveal. And then where do you really truly need God's power at work in your life? Where do you need to see God infusing something that only God can do? Now that you know what your part is, knowing only what God's part is. If you begin to meditate and pray on those things this week, God's gonna show up in some miraculous and wonderful ways. And let me know about it, because I get excited when I hear how God's at work in your life. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, for each person here at Grace and those watching online, God, we pray your blessing over them. In the hectic craziness of our lives, we set aside time for you to show us how you made us and how you purposed our lives. God, show us how to surrender in every day, in every moment, and in every role as we read your word and learn how to become more in alignment with who you are. God, may your blessing and your grace and your very presence in the lives of our church and our community become greater. And may people look in on that and say, what is it about your life that's so different that they might be drawn to that peace and that rest that only your people can fully know? And all God's people said, amen. Just a couple things I want to bring to your attention as we get ready to depart. And just to kind of let you know, in a couple weeks, we'll start a new series. It's gonna, that's what the whole frame behind me is about. We'll, we'll put that there. But uh, the new series is called Triggered. And so it's not about Roy Rogers' horse, okay? It's Triggered. And Triggered is about, in our culture, somehow we are so easily triggered by other people, aren't we? And we're seeing that often in social media and other situations. And we're going to pick some of the hottest, hardest topics that seem to trigger people. And we're going to walk through them from a biblical lens and see what God might have to say about those. That'll be a fun series. That'll start in two weeks. You'll hear more about that. And um, just 
as we begin to grow as, and things are happening, people are coming back here more in person, they're also online. We're working on ways to enhance the online experience and the in-person experience. Make sure you guys did a good job this week getting tickets. Thank you. Um, what that does, some people were confused, is it helps us to set out enough chairs the right way for social distancing, okay? And we're looking at uh, other things. And I want you to pray for us as our leadership begins to uh, move forward with how to engage more people in our community online. So pray for us on that. We want to really take what God's doing here and get it right into the homes of certain people. Can you pray for our church on that? Because that's a big deal right now. Amen? All right. Y'all have a blessed Sunday and try to find some rest today. Amen.